please come in and take a seat. So, what brings you here today? You must be worried about your future if you came looking for me. I'm not easy to find. All right then, place your hands on the table, palms down. I will do the same with mine, and you should focus on the unknowns that are plaguing you. I cannot see into the future, no one can. But what I can do is tell you every possible path from your present. Deep breath. When the session begins, my associate will lock the door from the outside. This is simply to keep our invited guests at this table until we dismiss them when our session comes to a close. Don't be concerned. We take precautions for my safety. Yours is never in question. You'll be safe with me. Shall we begin? You're in some trouble, yes? Got tangled up with the law. Well, that's not uncommon. And there's always a way out. Oh, you didn't come here alone. You're never alone, but you must know that. The presence around you is female, and there is more than one of them. They have panicked eyes and clutching hands, and they struggle, but yet they remain. Why do they remain? <gasps> How dare you bring them here? They know I can't help them. They know they are beyond help. They just want to be seen. I see you. Why didn't you tell me immediately? I can't free them. That isn't how this situation works. Unless... That's not why you're here. I see them, but you don't. And that ends today. They follow you, the less dead. They follow the reason they can no longer be seen. You thought no one would miss them, that nobody would know they were gone, and so you picked them to be on the receiving end of your sick little games. You told them they were safe with you, and then you hurt them. You killed them, and then you walked away. You thought you would never see them again, but they're here now, and they're together. There is strength in numbers. Did you think I would make them leave you alone? No, I won't be doing that. You thought I would simply believe your bullshit. I won't be doing that either. I know why they're here. The dead don't lie, but you do. Women have long been underestimated by men such as yourself, but mark my words. For what you did to them, they will undo you. And I wouldn't dream of stopping them. It will come when you least expect it. <sighs> and that's our session. I hope you got the answers you were looking for. I never remember these things after they happen. You look pale. Be sure to take a water off the counter on your way out. What? No. The door isn't locked from the outside. That's insane and illegal. It's a complete fire hazard. I would get arrested. I think you should go home now. Drive safely. They'll be watching. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we, we would be dead.
Thank you. <laughs> Got real mad on behalf of women this week. You sure did. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, especially yeah. when it's ladies. Yeah. Plus, we just had a very long feminist conversation. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll we'll record our. Stances. We should probably record before we go on because. We, like, fix all the problems in the world. We do fix the world's problems for a good hour and a half before we start yeah. recording. <laughs> we're very good at it, you guys. And then I forget how we were going to fix them, so. Well, we just fix them. It's That's fine. That's true, yeah. They don't need to know. <laughs> hey, Leslie. Hey, Holly. Hey, Beans. So we are back in uh, home territory for this week's case. Well, I guess it's it's my home territory. You're, you always feel like Connecticut is your home. Yeah. Home mm-hmm. case territory. But I was here during this time. Yeah, so. you sure were. So the Jersey end of the spectrum is like a little bit of a more of a matter of pride for me. Not okay. pride in this guy because this no. guy's terrible, but you know what I mean. Um, and this is a recent New Jersey case that I quickly realized that I knew absolutely nothing about. Yeah. Which is weird because like we see the news, we live here. Mm-hmm. But it's probably due in no small part to the fact that three out of the four victims in this case were black female sex workers. Mm. A socioeconomic group that is notoriously ignored, which is what made me want to explore the concept of the less dead in today's monologue. I know I went a little abstract. I liked it, though. Thank you. I, I like, really want to see them not so much as, like, lost souls, but as the vengeful spirits that are protecting others who might fall victim to the same things they did. Yeah, for sure. I just really want to give them all, like, a superhuman second act. Wouldn't that I be like nice? It. Yeah. yeah. All the Jack the Ripper girls. I feel like I saw that in a show recently. Really? Yeah. If it comes to me, I will remember. But that sounds very, yeah. That's a good concept. Mm -hmm. But then again, who wouldn't want to feel superhuman for even just a minute? There are many ways people try to achieve this feat, but I have found that the most effective source of superhuman power is a little something called validation. Ooh, that stuff is so good. Potent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you've heard of it. I don't think we've mentioned it here before, so... Maybe no, they haven't. I think um I think Kylie Jenner may have mentioned it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Makes her look like really good all the time. For sure, yeah. I think she's very validated. Yes. <laughs> I don't think she has any problems with that. No, yeah. But if you want to give Leslie and I a little superhuman moment, which would certainly help me um cover larger cases faster for you guys, which I know you want, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It only takes a moment, and I cannot express how important it is in moving this podcast forward. We live and die by ratings and reviews, so help us out. No pressure. It's just life or death, that's all. That's it. And we did reach 100, right? We did. So, triple digits. So thank you. Yeah, Everybody thank you, guys. Up. Yeah, yeah. You really, uh, really hooked us up this week. That was super fun. And if you want even more We Would Be Dead in Your Life, you can support us over on Patreon, where for a few, uh, just a few dollars a month, you will receive an extra monthly mini-sode. And we've been um, discussing some new fun stuff we're going to do for yeah. our patrons, mm-hmm. so keep an eye out for that. Access to our patrons-only podcast, 30-Minute Horror Movies, Twilight is coming at you soon. I'm so excited. There's like a lot of Twilight movies, so we just keep going. Yep. I mean, I can't just see one. I have to see them all. After you're that. gonna have to finish it. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna be rough. It's gonna. You're gonna enjoy it with me. It's okay. gonna be good. I look forward to watching them with you. Yeah, with wine and sushi. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Patrons will also receive discounts at our merch store. The knowledge that this podcast is able to bring more fun content to the masses due to your generous donations, an on-air toast dedicated just to you, and more. 
And if all that seems to be a little much for you, you can simply share any of our social media posts to your feed, post about your favorite episode, let us know when you're listening, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your phlebotomist. They already like blood. They'll be into it. Then your friends and that nice person at Lab Tech can become fiends and we can all hang out together. So lovely. I hate blood work. So your phlebotomist is going to have to not tell me that's what they do for a living. Mm. <laughs> Joyce. Joyce. Joyce at Lab Tech yeah. or Lab Corps. Sorry. <laughs> that's also New Jersey. Are there Lab Corps everywhere? I think so. I mean, I feel I like so I remember too. them in Connecticut. You have to think. Think real hard. I was little. About your little girl blood work. <laughs> Hmm. That's all right. Any of them will do. And don't forget to visit our merch store. We just released the new Camp We Would Be Dead merchandise. It is so cute. I can yes. barely stand it. And it's 15% off right now. Ooh. Yeah. Guys, so, get that discount. Yes. And we're going to be adding more stuff to it. I think that's where our merch store is going to live now on this new site. Love it. And uh, we will figure out something for the patrons as well. But right now, everything's 15% off. So everyone Perfect. will get their discount. And we have some more fun merchandise coming up Yeah, um, in that in that little site. Leslie has some really funny ideas that I'm very excited about. Yes. Can't wait to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thanks to everyone who participated in our Pass a Story experiment over on the Facebook group. That monologue will make its way into a recording in one way or another as soon as possible. It'll either be a standalone or I will find a case that it can be the prelude to. But cool. we are definitely going to use it because that was cool and fun. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not in our Facebook group, get over there. We do fun stuff like Pass the Story. Mm -hmm. Silly people. I think that's all I have for this week. Leslie, do you have anything else to add before we begin? Not this week, Holly. Next week. It's coming. I know it. It's going to blow like all our minds. I don't make any promises, but. <laughs> all right. Well, then, on with the show. I was drawn to this case initially because it is an example of smart and savvy women finding the solution to a terrible problem. I think I, like, texted you right away and was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's such a girl power case. So when the police failed to take a bunch of missing girls seriously, and when they failed to find the man who had a mile-long digital trail of evidence. It was family members of a victim and one woman who survived his terrifying wrath that brought 20-year-old serial killer Khalil Wheeler-Weaver down. And they did it in an incredibly clever and efficient way. A lot of my information this week comes from a series of articles on NorthJersey.com. They did some amazing investigative work on this case, just information you will not find anywhere else. I will provide a link to these articles in the show notes in case any of you would like to do some further reading. I highly recommend it. The authors, um, there, there's like five or six of them, so I don't have them all listed here, but they will all be in the article in the show notes. You guys should go check it out. So I just wanted to give them credit this week. Okay then. Robin West was a strong-willed, independent, and adventurous young woman. She was born on September 5th, 1996. Robin had grown up in Philadelphia, where she got in trouble more than her fair share of times. Robin argued frequently with her mother, Anita Mason, about the fierce independence that she exhibited and often chased. She really wanted to live life on her own terms from like a very young age. Robin lived with her mother primarily, but also spent time at her father Leroy's home in North Philadelphia. Leroy is a Philadelphia school district police officer and an assistant pastor at a local church. As such, Leroy was used to following a pretty 
specific set of rules and therefore set the same kind of rules for his children when they were in his home, but Robin wasn't one for following them. She did not want to abide by an evening curfew. She wanted to just live life as it came at her, her own way. I mean, a lot of teenagers are like this, but she was pretty persistent. According to Leroy, quote, it didn't really matter what anybody felt. If she made up her mind to do something, she would do it. Her parents tried to get Robin to fall into step and stay out of trouble, as they were, quote, church-going people. Mm. Church-going folks. Church-going folks. And Robin seemed to be cut from a more rebellious cloth. As a preteen, she even spent time in a Philadelphia treatment center called Wordsworth Academy. Now, Wordsworth was supposed to be a place that helped guide and treat young people struggling with their mental health or having issues conforming with their state's laws. Some people call it a reform school, but I feel like this language is kind of dated. Hmm, We don't really use that anymore, right? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't appear to be in any official language. It's only in, like, some reporter's language. So if that's not what you call it, I'm on board. So Wordsworth Academy has its own story to tell. (laughs) There are rampant cases of abuse, both physical and sexual, and horrifying neglect. They talk about, like, electrical wires exposed in the walls, children's getting— Children are who are, I don't know what to call them. They're not students. They're not patients. They're like something in between. But they would get like frequently punched in the face for small offenses. There's a lot of rapes. It was just like a bad. Like a prison. Yeah. A lot like a prison. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're right. And these things, of course, all happened behind closed doors, though. The parents who agreed to commit their children to the care of Wordsworth House didn't do so knowing that anything would happen to them once they were there. In October of 2016, a 17-year-old named David Hess asphyxiated in a struggle with a staff member. His death was ruled a homicide, but no one was ever charged. Interesting. Yeah, I truly hate it because you know he fought with a specific staff member. There's a bunch of reports of who it was, and they were never charged for anything. And they killed him. Right. The incident did, however, shine a light on the problems occurring at Wordsworth Academy. As it turned out, according to Philadelphia News 10, police had been called to Wordsworth, quote, more than 800 times. Wow. Mm-hmm. For incidents ranging from minor disturbances and tripped fire alarms to rape in the span of a decade. Police records have showed reports of 12 rapes, two cases of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, seven reports of indecent exposure, four cases of corruption of the morals of a minor, and one case of a child of child endangerment. Uh, and this is according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Police were called to investigate more than a dozen reports of sexual abuse and physical abuse against children. Wow. So this place is not good and notorious. Oh, my God. After uh, David's murder, Wordsworth knew what was done for The company filed for bankruptcy in 2017 and shut its doors. In January of 2018, the facility was taken over by Public Health Management Corporation, which is, quote, a nonprofit public health institute that creates and sustains healthier communities, which has successfully completed its plan to acquire Wordsworth Academy, a nonprofit organization providing education, behavioral health, and child welfare services to children, adolescents, and families. Okay. So it's not terrible anymore. Oh, good. I feel like I had to make sure I made that distinction. Yes. <laughs> okay. As you can probably imagine, children who passed through this hellhole would bond very strongly with the other children they met there. This is like a trauma bond situation. Absolutely. Where you know, they were their ports in a storm, one might say. And Robin was no exception. While she was there, she met fellow enrollee. That was the best way I could think of to refer to what they were. 
Brenesha Patterson and the two formed an extremely tight bond, making sure to stay friends even after they had both left the program. It came as no surprise to her parents that when Robin turned 18, she decided to move out of her mother's house and strike out on her own. She got a job as an exotic dancer at the now-closed club Cheeks 24-7 Lounge. Nice. 24-7 Cheeks, you know. Good times. And this was <laughs> in West Philip. It is kind of <laughs> cute, right? And it's two, It's the number 247, but I really think they meant 24-7. Oh, for, yeah. Right? I would think so. It's just not like number 247. <laughs> right. Well, it's like saying how like Blink-182, you say that one way, but like I think some someone else might say like, Blink 182. I guess you're Which is weird. So, like, I'm sure their 247 was, like, 24-7. Agreed. But somebody from England might be like, 247. (laughs) 247. (laughs) Cheeks 247 lounge (laughs) in West Philadelphia. So she worked there. And she and Bernicia were also sex workers who would often go out together for safety's sake. The pair would place ads on websites and then meet clients at Philadelphia motels. And they were like a team in doing this, which is, if you're a sex worker, that's good. Please have someone that you have like as a touchstone. Don't Buddy go, system. Yeah, don't go out into it alone. It's a scary world out there. Boy Scouts don't do it. You don't do it. That's a good plan. Yeah. True. At the end of August 2016, Bernicia suggested that she and Robin take a trip to New Jersey. They stayed at the Garden State Motor Lodge in Union City. Robin had been looking forward to her 20th birthday in September. So that's what she was like. Been talking about it a lot. She posted on Facebook a picture of her in a white dress that she bought for the occasion. And her friend was like, let's go kind of celebrate it coming up and go away for a few days. Now, I mentioned this, her posting her dress and looking forward to her birthday, because it is clear that she had plans for the future and intended to come back from New Jersey. Okay. She didn't just run away or kill herself or something. Mm -hmm. A few days into the trip, the girls found themselves out of money and with no place to stay. So they headed to a burned-out neighborhood in Newark where sex workers were known to conduct business. The girls had hoped to make some money and then continue on with their trip before heading back home. They arrived in Newark at around 11 p.m. on August 31st. Robin had on a red Nike hat, a lacy black top, and black shorts. Robin had never walked the street before looking for business. Clients had always contacted her from, like, web ads. Mm-hmm. So they would always text her or get in touch with her online, and then they would meet up at a prearranged location. So this experience was new, and she was not familiar with any kind of standard procedures. Though I don't know that there was much more she could have done. I don't know what kind of safety precautions women in that position take, but it is noteworthy that she was, like, brand new to doing this. Okay. Almost immediately, as soon as they walked out into a streetlight, a silver car pulled up, and Bernicia asked the driver which girl he would like to solicit. He indicated that he wanted Robin, who then got in the car. As the car was pulling away, Bernicia said to the driver, be careful with my sister because I love her. And that was the last time anyone saw Robin alive. Oof. I know, that's a bullet. Bernicia was smart, though, and she thought to record the car's car's license plate on her phone as it drove away. Hmm. She typed it in as a contact in her phone, which to me feels so haunting because it's just forever that was a contact in her phone. Wow. Ugh. At 1.50 a.m., the same 24-hour period, I mean, like, that's technically the next day, but it's a continuation of that night, a call came into the city of Orange, New Jersey's police department. An abandoned house at 427 Lakeside Avenue was on fire. Emergency services sent five firefighters to the scene, and unbeknownst to them, 
As they were battling the blaze, a man looked on from a silver car for a little while and then drove away. Mm. It's like Thomas Sweat. Very similar. <laughs> this guy likes to do that. He likes to watch the fallout. Mm. Inside the wreckage, firefighters discovered a body that had been nearly decimated by the fire. One, uh, a 17-year-old veteran, not 17-year-old, sorry, a 17-year veteran firefighter said that he had never seen a body in that bad shape before. And so they took it to the medical examiner who determined that the only hopes they had of identifying this person was with their dental records. On the morning of September 1st, 2016, Bernicia reported Robin West missing. Two weeks later, dental records confirmed that the body found in the fire was in fact that of missing person Robin West, and her killer remained at large. But what about that license plate, right? Right. Yeah. Bernicia had given it to the police, saying it belonged to a silver BMW. So the police were able to locate the car and its owner, a 20-year-old orange native named Khalil Wheeler Weaver. Khalil was polite, well-dressed, and compliant. He lived in a nice neighborhood and was well-spoken. He showed up to speak to the police in a plaid button-down shirt and neatly pressed khakis. He told police that he did pick up Robin, but he took her out to eat and then dropped her off at another abandoned house just two blocks from where her body had been discovered and then left. Police were inclined to believe him, and that was that. Because his khakis were pleated? That is exactly why. They said he didn't look like someone who would cause any trouble, and so they just let him go. It's, it's 2016. Mm -hmm. This is not a long time ago. It's 2016. They knew he picked this woman up. They knew she was a sex worker. They knew she was never seen with anyone else again. Her friend was like, this guy took her. And when the, that specific guy said, well, yeah, but I just dropped her off later, the cops were like, okay, that sounds right. No further investigation needed. Bye-bye. I took her out to eat and dropped her at an abandoned house. Which they but were like that abandoned house. No, a different a one two blocks one. away. Yeah. Which they were like, well, you're a sex worker, so that makes sense. Your life is very shady. She just loves abandoned houses. Case closed. Loves a fixer-upper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna flip it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that the cops were, they were satisfied, which to me is bananas. But appearances can be deceiving. In the next 88 days, two other women would lose their lives and a third would come damn near close to this at the hands of this well-spoken young man in the pressed khakis and spotless white sneakers. Mm. A man police had right in front of them and let go. Were they new balances? They were Nikes, I think. Mm. But they feel like they should be new balances. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> On October 22nd, 2016, at 1.16 p.m., 33-year-old Joanne Brown got into a car with a man she didn't know. And this was the last time anyone would see her alive. Joanne was hanging out with a bunch of friends on the street on the south side of Newark, New Jersey. Okay, so two things. One, in New Jersey, it's Newark. That's how we say it. In Delaware, it's Newark. I get it. It's spelled the same, but it's different. And it's not a great place. <laughs> mm -mm. Not super well known for its safety and family-oriented activities. Mostly it's crime and an airport. Yeah. That's what Newark has. But Joanne was a sex worker, and this neighborhood had proven lucrative in the past. Joanne had quite a troubled past of her own. She was born in Augusta, Maine, but moved with her family to Newark when she was just five years old. As she grew, it became obvious to her family and teachers that Joanne was struggling. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and later schizophrenia and struggled to keep up with her treatment plans. 
Once Joanne had moved out on her own, she turned quickly to sex work to support herself. She was kind and vulnerable, and her willingness to open up about her past is one of the things that drew people to her. So she would, like, readily talk about the struggles she went through, and people felt, like, really empathic towards her. They wanted to, like, listen to her and help her. Okay. Joanne also worked in the area as an exotic dancer under the stage name London, or sometimes Secret. Ooh. Like, I have a secret. I am a secret. I don't know. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like and London. She, That's cute. Yeah, it's a good one, too. And she had created a bit of a name for herself in the circles that she ran in. She did use drugs, which certainly did not help with any mental illness she was struggling to manage. We've talked before about how street drugs can affect bipolar or schizophrenia pretty severely. So they weren't doing her any favors. She did, however, try to get help at one point, moving into a building run by Project Live or Live. I don't know how they want to say it. I think it's Live. You know, that's one of those words when it starts at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I always stutter in the sentence because I never know how to say it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure most people don't, but it takes me a minute to... I think it's Project Live because it's where you live. It's like giving people a place to live. I would think so. Yeah. It, quote, provides a wide range of residential rehabilitative vocational and support services to mental health consumers located throughout Essex County, New Jersey. Project Live linked Joanne up with a social worker and a therapist, but it was difficult for Joanne to keep all of her appointments given the lifestyle she was involved in. Her social worker later told authorities that she was solely supporting herself through sex work and the help of a great many male friends. That's a very nice way to put it. (laughs) She just had lots of male friends who were very supportive financially. Perfect. Swell. (laughs) Sadly, her time with Project Lived was short-lived. I did not intend on that punny little statement, but it happened. It's a great organization, though, and if anyone wants to make a donation, we can provide a link in the show notes. Great. Joanne fell back on her old lifestyle quickly, but unlike Robin, she was a seasoned professional. Joanne had a couple close friends she would report to on a daily basis so they could keep track of her safety and well-being. Again, safety in numbers, have a buddy, tell somebody where you go. Even if you go on a blind date, drop a pin. Mm -hmm. Tell your friend. Every time she would go somewhere with a client, Joanne would call her friend Amina Nobles and tell her where she would be and when she should expect to, like, be back. She's like, I'm going to this place. I should be back in an hour. If it's more than an hour, you got to come look for me. Call the damn cops. Call the damn cops. Right, just in case anything were to happen. While this may not seem like much, it was more of a safety net than a lot of people think to have in the same situation. So she was trying. Under normal circumstances, Joanne would have called Amina on October 22nd, 2016 immediately. But that particular day, another friend had to make an emergency phone call just as this guy pulled up to the girls and solicited Joanne. So Joanne had handed her friend her phone but didn't think to get it back before she got into the car. Oh, no. Just wait, though. But not wanting to break her habit and risk her safety, Joanne asked her client if she could use his phone to call Amina, and he said yes. Oh, good job. I know. Everything this guy does, I'm like, they caught him the next minute, right? Yeah. Nope. No. Joanne checked in, and Amina went about her business. Great. Two hours later, Amina's phone rang again. It was the number Joanne had called her from, but the other end this time was silent. Amina asked if it was London, and it was still silent. And then she heard a click. Amina tried to call the number back a few times, but no one answered. She knew at that point that something was wrong, Mm -hmm. obviously. 
Amina called the Newark police and reported Joanne missing. And then, for seven weeks, they did nothing. Oh, dear Lord. The less dead. Police do not go out of their way to recover missing sex workers. They never have. And he spe- this, this man specifically went after people, as we have seen with murderers time and time again, who he didn't think would be missed. It's so frustrating because, again, we're in 2016 now. Yeah, this is not old times. You would think that even if they just didn't care about the sex workers, at the end of the day, that guy could be trying something out with them and then going to people who these police deem worthy enough for their attention. So regardless, they should be looking into it every time. Yeah, I agree. And it shouldn't be for that mentality, but just in general, like they, yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes me, it makes me so mad. You're just going to get madder. I got real, um, sometimes I yell and this is one of those times. So on December 5th, months later, obviously, a couple construction workers arrived at an abandoned home at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange, New Jersey. The home's owners had decided they wanted to renovate this abandoned house and sell it. Either they came into some money or new people bought it, sight unseen. Mm -hmm. It's not really very clear, but someone had it and they wanted to make it not an abandoned house. (laughs) Yeah, and Orange and Newark are really close to each other, right? Yeah, they're like neighbors. They're right right next to each other. The oranges. I know. There's like West Orange. (laughs) So the home's owners called in contractors and just said, you know, go in, tell us what needs to be done. Like they were just going to do an estimate and stuff. They weren't really starting work yet. So the workers were taking a walk through the house to kind of lay out the scope of the project they had in front of them. They went through the first floor And then they went up to the second floor, and when they got to the top of the stairs, they saw what they thought was a squatter sleeping on the landing. Mm, It was not. Nope. When they approached the person to try and get them out without any trouble, to be like, you got to go, they quickly realized that this wasn't the case. It wasn't a sleeping homeless person. It was the body of a woman with her head completely wrapped in duct tape from eyes to chin. (gasps) That image is terrible. I know. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Police would identify the body as 33-year-old Joanne Brown. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death with a jacket, then left to rot in an abandoned home. Now, Orange is big, with a population that hovers around 30,000, and it's not in the greatest shape. 18% of the population is well below the poverty line, and more than a few abandoned houses are knocking around. I know you, like me, must be thinking, um... Sex workers are showing up dead in abandoned homes. Maybe start looking for this guy. And you're right. They should have. But Orange's crime index is an 18, which sounds low until you realize that 100 is the safest. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. There are 175 violent crimes on record annually, and those are just the ones on record. And you stand a 1 in 158 chance of being a victim of one of those said crimes just by crossing into the city's border. One in 58? One in 158. But still, That's still, like, those odds are not great. To say the police have a lot on their hands is an understatement. And so, some things slip through the cracks. I am not excusing this behavior. They never should have it's fucking done this. It's a dead person. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. But up until this point, I will give the orange cops the smallest bit of leeway, given the fact that their work is probably 87 miles high on their desk. But that is all I give them. But you know what? Like, this would be the easiest one for them to solve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very easy. Out of all of them. Very easy. 
They do nothing. They could be like, hey, we can just, let's just get this one off our table. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not like there's no way to find this guy. There's plenty. But they don't. They have everything. They already met him. I know. <sighs> so the little tiny bit of leeway I give the orange cops, though, is about to disappear in like one second. Okay. But let's, let's just like take a little breath and break up the murder for a second. This crime spree takes place entirely in the year of 2016. So, Leslie, why don't you take us back, oh way back, God. to the year 2016. <laughs> Tell us what things were like back then. Were people riding along in covered wagons and eating whatever they could catch and cook over an open fire? Well, in fact, everyone was playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I was like, come on, man. I don't know what's happening. People were getting into car accidents on the garden oh, stage for, sure. for this. Oh, my God. I was in a show. I was in Sweeney Todd at the time that this, like, became a big thing. And the theater I did it in, this is a little diversion, is, like, on farmland in Cumberland County. Okay. So it's, like, way out in the middle of nowhere. And we would go outside after show or rehearsals, and this is late, like mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night, and there would just be people wandering around in fields. And we were like, what's happening? Apparently they were like, that was like a Pokemon hotspot. Yeah. Out in a field, late at night. It was yeah. terrifying. They looked like the fucking Night of the Living Dead, just like zombies pacing around with their so phones. so funny. I watched somebody pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> on the highway to go into, like, kind of the woodsy area. There was, like, an opening there. And they pulled over to, like, catch a Pokemon. Stop it. No. That's not that important. It was then. I know. You got to collect them all. Got to catch them all, right? Yeah. Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Got to catch them all. All right. Um, Harambe was also the most popular uh, gorilla in the world. Harambe. All right, <laughs> <laughs> be. Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl. Good times. Yep. Um, Hamilton premiered in 2015, but it wasn't until 2016 that people were like, oh, Hamilton. Oh, fucking Hamilton. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was and probably still is a conspiracy theory that Katy Perry is actually John Benet Ramsey. I think that is the funniest <laughs> thing. And I've already started researching John Benet for when yeah. we cover her, um, which I, I think I'm going to push till Christmas time this year because she got killed the day yes. after Christmas. But like that theory is the best. I know. It's Crazy. That's not, please don't believe that. But it's real funny. You don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't <laughs> fully know. But we kind of do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> um, people were challenged to do, it, there was that mannequin challenge on social oh, media. Oh, right. That was 2016. Oh, God. Jeez. Yeah. Way back then. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, you would just stand as a mannequin and there'd be like music playing usually oh, behind so you. So good to watch. Just <laughs> yeah. people not moving or doing just, anything. Yeah, it was great. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, a total of 6,755 postal employees were attacked by dogs in 2016. Oh, no. Yeah, that was a fun fact. Dogs getting the mailman. The class, ooh, okay, so this is good for us because our husbands are musicians. Yes. So I'm sure you you know of this. But the classic happy birthday song was copyrighted and was illegal to use in public performances. I right? do that because of, um, like, working in a dinner theater. And yeah. I was like, well, I'm just going to risk my life and sing it on stage. Oh, and so in a lot of, um, so, like, John has his own that he kind of sings, and sometimes there's, I think, I think, like, the Beatles came up with, like, a riff that people mm-hmm. can use, and some people just make up a thing. Applebee's has their own. Yeah, that's why, that's why That's why they those sing those bloody things. Exactly. I just broke the law. Well, Sorry. this ended 
in 2016 when Warner paid $14 million in a lawsuit to end the copyright. So it's no longer a copyright issue. You can sing happy birthday sing whenever happy you want. happy birthday all the time. Applebee's, you and can you kick that fined. crazy chance of the curb. That's right. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, the top shows were Game of Thrones. Love some Game of Thrones. That was also the most pirated show this year. Mm. The Walking Dead was big. Pretty Little Liars was in third. And then Westworld. Mm. Stranger Things premiered. I love Stranger Things. And then this segment is called Leslie's Top Favorite. Yay! (laughs) I just did two this time. So my top TV show in 2016 was Letterkenny. That one came out. I just started watching that. I'm so excited. I'm way late on the uptake, Mm -hmm. but it's so good, and I just want to watch all of it immediately. So we can talk about it. (laughs) Perfect. And my top movie for this year was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's a good one. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Probably that was 2016. That's a good That's a good year. It was like yeah. a minute ago. Yeah. It was it's before a- the pandemic. Other yeah. really shitty things happened that I didn't want to talk no, no, about. No, 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 no. But this enough. was great. Beyonce was really killing it. Beyonce, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. We're all being mannequins. Pokemons were running wild. It was, like, <laughs> it was a good time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, up until this point, I'm, like, mad at the police, but not at an unreasonable boiling rage just yet, but I'm about to arrive at that point. 33-year-old Tiffany Taylor had run into enough bad luck for several lifetimes before she encountered Khalil Wheeler Weaver. She that grew name. up— I know. Like a tongue twister. It is hard to say. Khalil Leo Weaver. Khalil Wheeler Khalil. Weaver. Yes. A lot of blah, blah, blah. So Tiffany Taylor grew up in a public housing project in Jersey City before moving to Orlando. There she attended Valencia College, where she studied psychology. To support herself, she danced professionally in stage shows. Now, it's Orlando, so I'm going to take a real safe gamble and assume we're talking about theme parks. Okay. Because she wasn't an exotic dancer. She was like right. just a your average garden variety dancer. Mm-hmm. So life seemed to be on the upswing for Tiffany, but then two years into her degree, Tiffany got pregnant. She left college and moved back to New Jersey where she supported herself through sex work. There is no word on what happened to that baby. I have no idea. Hmm. So one of Tiffany's friends introduced her to Khalil. And I guess this was like a few years later. She just was in New Jersey, like supporting herself through sex work and living her life. And in 2016, she met Khalil. They went to his house where they played video games. And Khalil took an instant liking to Tiffany. More than a liking, an obsession. He tried time and time again to solicit sex from her. But she kept saying no. Mostly because Khalil was very young. Too young to even buy alcohol on his own. And he was already sleeping with a friend of hers. She wanted no part of the situation. But he wouldn't leave her alone. And this grated on her nerves. And so Tiffany came up with a plan. She told him she would have sex with him for $200, but she never planned to carry out this plan. What she planned to do was rob him. Nice. Tiffany said, quote, I just got tired of men wanting sex from me all the time, looking at me like I was a sex object. So I just started taking their money. I mean, like, okay, girl. Yeah, you do you. Well, not that I'm encouraging people to rob others. Don't do that. Just kidding. So, on April 10th, 2016, at 8 p.m., Tiffany showed up to Khalil's house in Orange, or rather, I should say, his parents' house. Mm. He took her up to his childhood bedroom, 
where she reports being like, it looked like I was in a little boy's room. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. He handed her $200. She took the $200 and said, oh, you know what? I left the condoms in my car. I'll be right back. But she didn't come back. She ran away. She thought that this would be the last that she ever heard from him. She would just drive off into the night, take his money, and that would be it. But she could not have been more wrong. Mm. After this, Tiffany's mother got sick with cancer. She was evicted from her apartment and lived in her car for a time before picking up additional work helping a local crack addict find drugs. The very weird situation. He paid her to find crack dealers. Uh, I guess nice work if you can get it. Yeah. And I this, wonder if probably also because, like, nobody would sell to him maybe. Maybe. To you. She had also fallen pregnant at this point in time. Oh, I guess. She's pregnant again. Okay. She's driving around finding crack for some guy who it was must have been independently wealthy if he could afford to pay her and pay for the crack. Um, and he was living in a motel, and he had a car. So she got the use of the car because she was finding him all the crack, and she got to stay in the motel with him. Okay. He wasn't doing anything to her, though. She was no, just, like, running she, these errands okay. for her. So that's the situation she's in. It's, like, weird and complicated, but that's what she's it is. She's a secretary. And also, like, a delivery person. Yeah. And a or, like, a personal assistant. An errand, an errand girl. Ooh, a girl. Errand instead girl. Of, instead of a boy. <laughs> yes, errand girl. <laughs> I want a t-shirt now that says errand girl. Yeah. Not really. People would make me do errands, and I hate that. That's true. It would just be my life. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tiffany had gotten a different phone as well in this, like, weird readjustment period of her life, and she had been receiving text after text after text from a strange man begging for sex. But this wasn't super uncommon because she's a sex worker. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't totally sure who this man was, but she wasn't, like, weirded out by the situation. And she was in financial dire straits, so she eventually agreed to meet the man to have sex in exchange for $80 in cash. Tiffany thought she could probably get this guy's money and run away with it without having to touch him, but again, sadly, she was wrong. It was November 15th, 2016, and the weather was temperate, but the man arrived for their rendezvous in a ski mask and gloves. That sounds wrong. Uh-huh. Not an enormous red flag at all, right? Are they going to go skiing? No, and it was 50 degrees. You don't need that in 50 degrees, and if you're from New Jersey, you're not extra cold. Do you understand what cold is? <laughs> But he told her she, that he was cold. He was like, I'm just cold. I just need to wear my ski mask. And she was like, that's fine. Sometimes people are cold. No. I know. Tiffany. She brushed it off and had him get in the car, like the, the car that she drove for the man so she could use it whenever she wanted to. So this man in his ski mask and gloves, by the way, got in the car and they drove for a little while before he asked Tiffany to pull over so he could pee. He didn't pee before? Whatever. He then slipped a pair of handcuffs he had hidden in his sweatshirt down into his hand and hit Tiffany over the head with the metal handcuffs after she had, like, pulled over to let him out. Some reports also say that he had slipped date rape drugs into her iced tea, which feels a little bit more likely to me because I find it difficult to believe that a pair of handcuffs could knock you out in a single blow. They don't have a big surface area. No, I think that would just be like, ow, what the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. So it's reported two different ways. I'm inclined to believe that there was drugs involved in this situation. And she had, like, iced tea in the cup holder, so he could okay. have just done that. Either way, she was rendered completely unconscious and woke up shortly after in the back of the car, hands cuffed together with pain roaring through her head, and the man who had solicited her pinning her down and choking her. 
It is at this point that the man slipped off his ski mask and asked, Do I look familiar? What an asshole. Yep. You don't remember me? You took my money. And then she remembered him. Tiffany begged him not to kill her, telling him that she was pregnant, and he simply replied, I know. Ew. Mm-hmm. Which was the point in which she said, like, I know this man can kill me. Right. If he's doing that and he knew I was, was well aware that I was pregnant, like, he will have no problem killing me. Oh, wait. She survives? Yes. Okay. Okay. At this point, he duct taped her face from eyes to chin. Ugh. And sexually assaulted her repeatedly. Through this process, though, the tape around her head became loose because she was crying and trying to talk. Mm -hmm. So, like, tape is not an ideal gag situation ever. Like, I don't ever want you to gag people. But, like, it will become loose if you... You can, like, wet it, If you, like, right? lick it and stuff. Yeah, it will become loose. And Tiffany began to talk to him when, when she could. She asked him to loosen the handcuffs because they hurt. And he agreed. She also explains in her interview that it was at that point she knew she could get away. She's like, okay, if I can convince this guy to loosen the handcuffs, I can, I'm going to come out of this situation alive. And she said she wasn't sure that he was, mm -hmm. but she knew that she was going to live through it. Okay. Bad bitch. Yeah, for sure. It's tough and amazing. Uh, Tiffany then explained that she, she said to him, I left my phone back in the motel, and that phone has all of our text conversations in it with your address and your phone number, and the fact that you were soliciting me tonight, and it maps out all of our interactions. So you're going to want that phone. And all the while, a plan was forming in the back of her mind. Tiffany, who happens to have very flexible thumb and wrist joints, had slid the cuffs off one of her wrists. Ooh. So she could, like, bend her thumb mm -hmm. backwards so it touches her hand so she yeah. could slip it out of the cuffs. Awesome. Yeah, super cool. And she also loosened them a bit mm -hmm. for Yeah, so, so that she was able to do that. Yeah. So sensing his youthful stupidity, she told him it would be best, uh, in his best interest, to go get that phone if he didn't want to go to jail. And if they went back to the hotel... Maybe she could get the man she was running drug errands for to give him some more money. Mm -hmm. That would totally benefit him, right? And in the back of her head, she was thinking, like, I don't know if he's going to do it. But he started driving. She later admitted that if he had driven past the motel, she was prepared to kill him. But she wouldn't have to. Because Khalil removed the tape from her face, draped a jacket over her shoulders after they had parked in the motel, and calmly walked her to her door. I'm going to remind you guys that he's 20. Mm -hmm. And raised in a nice house with parents who supported him. He's not like angry street smarts kid. He's going to believe people. And he did this all in front of security cameras, of course, because this is a motel and they have security cameras. So no, knowing the drug addict that she worked for would be awake and immediately answer the door as soon as she knocked because her knock meant like crack was coming. Mm -hmm. Tiffany knocked gently on the door and then rushed past the man that was staying there with her and then slammed the door and locked it. So she ran in past him and locked the door. And then she went to the window, opened the curtains, knocked on the window, and showed Khalil her hands with the cuffs dangling from one of them. So it was like, I'm free. You can't get me. Mm -hmm. Which is such a badass, like, cinematic move. Love it. He saw this and obviously just ran. Tiffany called the police, and then after she did so, she texted Khalil, which feels counterintuitive. And she told him to come back because he had the keys to her boss's car. She said if he returned the keys, she wouldn't call the police, hoping that he and the police would then arrive at the same time. She's so smart. 
She really, like, thought of everything. However, and here's where we're going to get very, very angry, the police arrived first, and Khalil watched from the street as the police questioned Tiffany. Mm. The police leave Tiffany in the half-cuffs for an hour (gasps) while they question her about being a prostitute and threaten to throw her in jail. What? What does that have to do with anything that's happening right now? They just want to arrest her for solicitation. They don't believe any of her story. They don't take her seriously. They don't investigate her injuries, which were later photographed by, I guess, somebody else. They don't take any information from her about the man. They don't check the security cameras. They don't talk to a witness. They threaten to to take her to jail Knowing she's four months pregnant, too, they're like, we'll take you to jail. You're going to have your fucking baby in jail if you don't, like, admit to these crimes you've committed. And they have the name again. Yes. She knows him. They have his name, his address, his phone number, and his car. And this is now the third time that mm-hmm. this guy's name has been brought to mm-hmm. this police, these police. Yeah. Now, his name wasn't brought to the police the second time. He was brought in the first time. The second time, there is a, there is a digital trail, but they didn't try to find it. Mm. Then after an hour, the police leave, having taken no, no notes down. I'm so mad. I know. I'm they treated her. Eyes. They get called out in court later for this. Then. But they treated her like she had been committed a crime, like total trash. They made her feel awful. They, obviously, she never could feel safe after that. How could you possibly? And then they just left. <clears throat> and... The real kicker is that if the cops had taken this name, address, and phone number and investigated this guy, Sarah Butler would still be alive today. I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. So before we get to the final victim, let's talk about Khalil for a minute. And I mean a minute because there isn't much out there about him at all. Mm. Khalil Wheeler Weaver was born in 1996 to start. So Leslie, why don't you tell us a little bit about... 1996. What what era was he born into? Right. Well, I was nine, so I was thriving. Killing it. Olsen um, twins, yeah. living their best life. Well, we talked about 1996, and I went on like a whole a whole conversation about the Olsen twins. That sounds that right. So I changed it up a bit this time. Okay. Um, this is one of my favorite little memes out there right now. Okay. The year was 1996. Your parents just got off the phone with Pizza Hut. TGIF on ABC just started. You ask your parents if your best friend can sleep over. They say yes. You ask them if you can go to Blockbuster after dinner. They say yes again. Life is good. I feel that whole night. (laughs) I can see it and smell it and feel it. I'm in that night. Oh, fucking Pizza Hut was the jam. I know. Ugh. Did you do Book It where you got like free personal? So good. The Space Jam ball. This would have been that year because Space Jam came out. Yes. All the balls. Oh, my God. The basketball. Yeah, the black basketball. Yes. Black basketball. I don't play any sports that I had But that was so cool. (laughs) It was very cool. All right. So TGIF was airing Boy Meets World, Step by Step, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Clueless, which had a show for like a couple episodes. I remember liking that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, That was also a Broadway show for a brief time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that either. And now on Boy Meets World, remember the character Minkus? Yes. How could we forget? Of course. So Lee Norris is the actor's name. Did you know that he was only on for one season? No! Doesn't he feel like he was on there the yes! whole time? Only the first season. And then he does come back for the graduation episode. Is he really hot? I want him to, like, have grown he's up like to cute. be really no, hot. No, he's on. Well, he's he's cute. He's adorable. Okay. And he actually got, like, super buff. That's um, what I was hoping for. He went for. on. Um, <laughs> this is the journey I wanted for him. He's on One Tree Hill. 
and he plays he plays mouth and he was supposed to just be a like short term character mm-hmm. but he ended up being like a long term and like a very had like a main role there you go well, it comes yeah. back to one tree hill for you a lot That's, well, yeah i know <laughs> This is why I know a lot about him right now. Got it, got it, got it. Mink is killing it. (laughs) He's doing so good. So the movies that we were all seeing in the theaters were Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, Happy Gilmore, The Craft came out. Oh, I love The Craft. 12 Monkeys, Biodome, Don't Be a Menace in South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, The Birdcage, The Nutty Professor, which I saw like three times in a row at the theaters. Did you? Remember, you can also just like go to the theaters for the day. And, like, just see countless films. Like, people don't really bother you that much. I don't remember that. Remember? I We would just, like, walk down to the movie theater or get dropped off. And, like, we would call our parents, like, before dinner time to come pick us up. And really? we'd watch, like, three movies. I remember kids doing that kind of like a scam. Like, they weren't paying for their movies. Oh, yeah. They it wasn't just, allowed. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but I remember like, that. it was okay. a way easier to do than it You'd is You'd miss, now. like, the first 20 minutes of something but just, like, slide into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jerry Maguire and Space Jam. Um, and don't forget about the TV movies like Sabrina and the Teenage Witch and Susie Q. Do you remember that one no, on Disney? I don't know. Oh, that was I so didn't good. have Disney Channel. I was oh. I never had it when I was a kid. That was that like it was, extra. it was based on that song. The um, where it was like the the car like drove off the edge and it was like oh no, it was like an old so it was like 1950s or something and it was like a prom night yeah and the car drives off the it was like a girl and her boyfriend. It was just the ghost that like stands on the edge of the road. Yeah, but she, and she comes back and she is like. She's like, I want to, she's at the prom. Yeah, and she's in the pink dress. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's a really famous like campfire story that I have um, tried to look up on several occasions mm-hmm. to see if there's a true one. Oh, yeah. For like our purposes. I haven't found it yet, but you guys yeah. will get there. But I think the song is, might be called Suzy Q. And I don't why. know. Um, okay, so for fashion, we had a lot of plaid, multicolored outfits, and loose-fitting everything, like shirts and jeans. Oh, my God, jeans. the Jenko jeans. Yep. Popular hairstyles would be, like, your messy buns, high braids, tiny braids, the wisps of hair with the semi-cornrows, like the Alicia back. Silverstone. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, they're back. Um, the middle part was also popular, and that's right, youth. We enjoyed a middle part when we were young, too. Never. I've never been able to do it. Oh, because you're like... I have a cowlick, yeah. yeah. Can't happen. Uh, Crimped hair was big. Beachy waves got popular. And we love scrunchies and flowers in our hair. Love all those things. They're back now. Yeah. I know. It's a very 90s right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 90s and 70s are big Mm -hmm. now. Um, And then here are some fun things that happened in 1996. Sure. Mary Tyler Moore offered a restaurant $1,000 to sell her a 65-year-old lobster so she could return it to the wild. Mary Tyler Moore, what are you doing? Rush Limbaugh then offered $2,000 to eat the lobster. Because he's a garbage person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The restaurant denied both offers and kept the lobster as a mascot. That is just like... Everyone that what a just journey. hits every I know. Wow. Every kind of person this in the went world. went on a wild ride. Yeah. In 1996, a man broke into a New Zealand radio station, held the manager's manager hostage, and his demand was for the station to play Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> okay, just play it. You're fine. Mm-hmm. After the release of the 1996 film Scream, which involved an anonymous caller or anonymous killer calling and murdering his victims, Caller ID usage tripled in the United States. Oh, I'm sure it did. I mm-hmm. love Scream. And lastly, Oprah started her book club. Well, Oprah. That's gone mm. a long way. Sure has. You've done well, Oprah. 
She's done all right for herself. I know you need our approval. Yeah. (laughs) Oprah. (laughs) Well, 1996 was fun. And that's when Khalil was born. (laughs) Khalil's family had money. He was always cared for and well-mannered. He grew up in Orange, graduating from Orange uh, High School in 2014. Khalil was quiet, but apparently very funny to the few people who knew him well. He was referred to as not popular, but not bullied. Just a run-of-the-mill kid. Those are the ones you got to be careful for. I guess you do. If Khalil had one discerning characteristic, it was his style. He looked, for lack of better terminology, like a nerd. He always wore pressed collared shirts, like plaid collared shirts, and crisp khakis with spotless white sneakers and rectangular glasses. And you mentioned Letterkenny, and I just started watching that show, and all I could think of was, like, he's like a tucked shirt guy. (laughs) Yeah. what he is. (laughs) Khalil uh, went to school with a lot of kids who were not as well off as he was, and this also made him stand out. Classmate Tyrell Benton said, quote, you have to wear Jordans, the newest ones that just came out. Your shirt has to match your sneakers and your hat. That's what you wore if you were going after the females. It was a street style. But he wasn't a street kid. You knew based on how he was dressed that he came from a good home, a good family. So he stood out in that regard. Like, he wasn't locked into that culture. He was clearly outside. Okay. Khalil grew up in a nice split-level home in the quiet neighborhood of Seven Oaks. His stepfather is a police detective in the neighboring town of East Orange. As you said, there are many oranges. And his uncle retired as a detective after a career with the Newark Police Department. By his junior and senior year, Khalil had begun to DJ at parties He bought a silver BMW, dated a college girl, and got a job as a security guard. Police would later see that he used his phone to search the ways to become a police officer, so he was looking for a career in law enforcement. He looked at what kind of training was required. He looked up the police academy, what kind of testing he would have to go through. And he also researched, quote, homemade poison to kill humans. Well, there you go. Smart. Smart, Khalil. Yeah, but haven't you done that, Ollie? Shh. (laughs) maybe i won't tell wait i'm sorry did you say that his father was in the police department stepfather best stepfather Mm -hmm. he also spent a lot of time on the social media platform tagged which i knew like nothing zero about i didn't even know it existed until we started covering this case but leslie would you mind telling us a little bit about tagged because it's going to play a part in our next piece of the puzzle Yeah, so Tag, basically, they called it a social discovery platform, but it's basically a social media platform. Yeah. But um, it started off originally, so in 2004, it was meant for more like a a teen safe zone almost, like where you can go and chat and— Oh, but of course, there's no way it was safe. Never. It's never Never. safe. But but this came out around the same time. So MySpace had already been out. Okay. And Facebook was around, but so MySpace was a site for everybody. Facebook was a site for college kids still mm-hmm. at this point, and so they were trying to make the site for like teens. Okay. And it kind of worked. So it was like 13 to 19 and they had somewhat restrictions No on good who could talk come to of who. that. But then by 20 so by 2006 they opened the market up to over 13. But then again, had restrictions where like only like 13 to 15 year olds can talk to each other. And then 16 and 17 year olds can talk to each other. How are you enforcing that though? It was like, obviously it's how they put in their information. Yeah. And that's it. Um, 
But then by 2009, their site was deemed one of the worst in handling child pornography. Oh, God. Of course. And the company kept trying to clean up their act, but it wasn't until 2014 that they decided to make it a 18 and over. So, like, around 2000, so for a while, Tagged was a site where, like, it was just on the computer. Okay. And then around 2011, and this is the same with a lot of stuff. So, like, again, with um, more so with Facebook, so I don't even know that MySpace has it. But they created apps. So now Tagged around 2011 had an app. Okay. And then with the iPhone and the Android, they were able to get the instant messaging function. So instead of it being a chat room, you could also have instant, like direct messaging yeah, someone. Direct messaging. And then it started to kind of turn into, instead of it just being like a, um, a place where you could meet strangers and just chat with people and kind of make friends, it definitely was becoming a like dating app as well. So oh, okay. they call it now like chill, flirt, date kind of thing. Mm. And um, so around 2011, again, that was like when they started the instant messaging function. And then later, probably like after 2014, with like FaceTiming and video chat becoming more prevalent, especially on the phones, the app kind of changed a little bit where one of the additions was that you could FaceTime people. So now it looks like today. Okay. It looks more like a dating app, something similar to Tinder. Okay. But that's not all it does. So in this app, you can video chat. And I would okay. and I would think I tried to find it around 2016. And so I think You could that, video chat then. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna so, confirm that for okay. you. So at 2016, you could video chat. You could also live stream. So they, just like on Instagram where you can live stream, you could watch people's live stream or you could make one yourself. And then they had a function where it was like a meetup and that's where that was like that Tinder kind of function. Where yeah, I read a, I've read it referred to as Tinder for teens, which made me want to throw up everywhere. Now, I don't know that that's really true anymore because, mm-hmm. again, it's 18 and over now. Well, I, only- I mean like at its inception – no, right. Oh, right. But at 2016. Yeah, it wasn't at that it point. It wasn't anymore. It was all 18 okay. and over. I'm sure younger people went on it. Oh, that's of course. There's happen. no way to police age limits. There no. just isn't. No. Yeah, I mean, so that's basically what it was. And what they also do, the way that this was a little different is that there's like games involved. So remember um, like the Pogo site that I talked yes. about before? So Pogo was like a gaming site where they had like you could play poker and then chat with people and then okay. maybe like private message people. That's what this was like. You'd have like little games and so okay. you would like interact and it probably was kind of fun. But then yeah. they they do like weird games and it doesn't, unless you're somebody that uses it, I had a really hard time understanding it. Yeah. Other than the fact that it is a, it is a place where you can just chill, flirt, or date someone. <laughs> All <laughs> Meet right. some strangers. The algorithms I think are based on like your common interest versus not like people your, you know. not people you know, like people you, whom you might know, except for that meetup function, which when you hit the meetup area, yeah. that's when it looks at your general area. Okay. And so, and again, you much won't like know. Much like Tinder. Much or- like Tinder, you won't know where they exactly are unless they give you their location, mm-hmm. but then you do have, what's kind of cool about it is that you can FaceTime the person. Okay. You could watch like people, it's, it's. And it's big. Like, so if anybody hasn't heard of it, what what made it kind of interesting to me is that, like, from 2004 to probably 2011, it was the top three with MySpace and Facebook. I had never heard of yeah. it. 
and I had never heard of it. But also, I never did a dating app. Neither and did it I. It wouldn't have been something that I would have done. Just it wouldn't have. It would have never I, hit I my never market did for me. Dating apps either, but I know I could name like ten of them off the top of my head, and that's yeah. not one but, of them. But also, I wonder if it's because it started off more as a teen thing, and Maybe you would have been I above would have definitely that. Not a teen. You would have already been out of the age limit at the beginning, and I would have been hitting out of the age limit. Yeah. And it would never have been a site that I would have gone to. No. Any at that Me time neither. in my life. Yeah. Maybe later if I was single, maybe, yeah. but not at that time. Interesting. So. That's so interesting. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's tagged. Okay. So just one week after the incident with Tiffany, Khalil met a beautiful college student named Sarah Butler on Tagged. Sarah was a dancer who grew up in Montclair, which, if you're not familiar with New Jersey's geography, is in the very top of the state, close to New York. Sarah studied a fusion of ballet, jazz, modern, and African dance. She was in a traveling troupe that competed at the Apollo Theater's Amateur Night, taking third place. Mm. Yeah. Sarah came from a family of first-generation Jamaican immigrants. They were hardworking, loving, and supportive. Sarah worked several jobs to save up money to buy her car. And she was the first member of her family to attend college. Great. Yeah. They were so proud of her. Sarah, however, was having a difficult time adjusting to college life. She didn't get along with her roommates, and she hadn't really made many friends. And college is hard. Adjusting to an entirely new life is even harder. A lot of kids go through exactly what Sarah was going through. Think of Kristen Smart. We had the same things to say about her. To cope with the loneliness... Sarah had made a tag account hoping to make some friends because, as you mentioned, tag isn't based on who you know. It's based on what you like. Mm -hmm. So she was hoping, maybe this will be a way I can meet some new people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in November, she got messaged by a man with the handle Lil Yacht Rock. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) He typed, quote, you want to make, and it's $2 signs, clearly makes money. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, quote, sex for money? Oh, he works fast. Bold. Sarah replied, quote, wow, and then texted back, quote, well, how much money? He replied, quote, how much are you looking for? And she wrote back, $500. I think she was probably highballing this. She was like, this is not something I do, but like, yeah, I'm worth, I'm worth some money. $500. Yeah. You know? Um, Wait, because you said, so she's sitting, like, in her dorm room doing yes. this right now? Okay. So Absolutely. He, if you had, even if, I wonder if her, like, roommate's sitting next to Probably. Her. <laughs> they probably were right there. Yeah. He wrote back that it was no problem. He could give her $500 in cash. She said, quote, you're not a serial killer, right, LMAO? No, no, he is, he is 100% a serial killer. This is why you don't do online things, people. Khalil texted back, no, of course. He said that he wanted to meet up soon because he needed to leave for work. So Sarah agreed to meet up, but at the last minute, she backed out. Like, she couldn't go through with it. Yeah. And then two days later, she reconsidered, and she messaged him again on Tagged, and she said, quote, sorry about the other day. I got really nervous. Um, she said, I, I felt like an ass, but your voice and your pick don't seem to match. And Lil Yacht Rock responded, quote, I'm a really cool guy when you get to know me. No, you're not. No, you're not. On November 22nd, 2016, Sarah went home for Thanksgiving break. And that night, she asked to borrow her mother's minivan to go, quote, like, meet up with her friends. She put in a red ponytail extension. Love a ponytail extension. Way to go, girl. And drove to pick up Lil Yacht Rock at the address he had given her. 
which was an abandoned house at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange, New Jersey. That should sound familiar. This is wild. So she, I mean, she doesn't need, I mean, maybe she, I mean, we're all poor as college students, but whether we have money or not, but like, yeah. Where's her head at? I want to. I don't know. I wish I could talk to her. I think it's just an astronomical sum of money that she thought she wouldn't get. And then she was like, well, maybe, I don't know. I could use $500. It'd be quick. Yeah. And you think you're invincible when you're in college. Yeah. No, I'm not like, I'm not trying to slate her or anything. Of course. But it's just, it's hard. It sucks that we don't know. I wish I could. I know. Wish I could be a fly in her room and just be like, where where are you? What are you thinking, dude? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Like, how lonely were you if she, I mean, if she, even just the fact how you said, like, she went on tag to, like, make friends. Yeah. And then this guy, like, real bold, hitting her up for, like, paid sex immediately. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, so just so you know, one of the things that I researched for tagged, the idea was, and mind you, it was initially for teens, but then this guy, he Mm -hmm. was, it was a little later, it was after ages 13 and, and up, so everyone could join, basically, the... Founder uh, Greg Sen, Greg Sen, I think he mentioned it as like on Facebook. You go on and like again, you it would it's the equivalent of like going to a bar and like seeing people you know right, around. Okay. Whereas tagged wanted to be like you go out with your friends to specifically meet strangers mm, to meet okay. new people that you don't know. And, and we've so, all been there. In this sense, tagged was supposed to be like you and I could – like I would know we'd go on together mm-hmm. maybe at our separate houses, but we would go in, go to chats, and like meet new people together. So it is a lot like AOL was in its early days where you have yeah. like chat rooms where you mm-hmm. were in a room with a bunch of people you don't know. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And there's an appeal to that for yeah. sure. So this – in general, this was kind of – I mean by 2016, it was no longer that. It no. was clearly a place where a lot of people are going to try to Hook. solicit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sarah pulls up to 354 Highland Avenue in Orange, and what she doesn't know is that inside, Joanne Brown's body is still laying on the second floor landing. Oh, my God. This is November. Her body <gasps> wasn't discovered right. until December. Oh, my God. I didn't mm. put that together. No, I didn't either at first. He was. She was exactly where he had left her one more month earlier. So this is a body that's been there for a month. Her face was still wrapped in tape. Sarah showed up to this abandoned house at 9.55 a, a p.m., sorry, knowing absolutely nothing of this. He came out and got in her car. So she was, like, in front of this house where his previous victim was laying there dead. They drove to a 7-Eleven a few blocks away. Khalil went in. Sarah stayed in the car. He purchased three Trojan fire and ice condoms, which, like, fuck off. I don't want anything fire or icy. That That's a thing. Yeah, apparently. Apparently you want like burning or freezing Ooh. inside your vagina. Okay, if anybody has used these, you can message us yeah, privately. Yeah, please tell us. I'm I very curious. Know. Is that good? How is that good? Is it like tingly? I don't want tingly. Let us know. Or like a numbing sensation? That sounds yeah. terrible. Icy hot in general is not something I would want to put downstairs. No, so, so we have a soap that has like peppermint mm-hmm. in it. Oh, and don't one time that. I forgot and I like was like cleaning. Oh, no. I was like, oh. It didn't hurt or anything. It was just kind of like a, whoa. This is not a sensation I anticipated in (laughs) that region. Yeah, I don't know why that's good. But yeah, you guys can feel free to tell us why. Anyway, security cameras are obviously all the fuck over 7-Eleven. So they do have pictures of him wearing the same fucking outfit he wore to attack Tiffany. Dumb asshole. 
a black sweatshirt with the hood pulled low over his face. But you can see his face. I've seen these pictures. I'll put them in the photos. Wait. Photo is he suite. cute? Is he, is he, he's good looking. Is yeah. He, he's okay. a good looking guy. He's good looking, clean, well-dressed, well-spoken. Someone who you would find not you, – you would never – it wouldn't even enter your mind that he could be doing something bad. I'm so glad we didn't marry serial killers. Oh, same. We could have. <laughs> I know. He was also wearing black sneakers and tight-fitting black gloves. He rolled up to 7-Eleven with, like, tight-fitting black gloves on, and he was so, like, cute and well-mannered that they were like, that's fine, you're probably not a murderer. Here's these weird Bernie condoms. Anyway, attendant 07. Not like Bernie the man. No, 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 no. Like, they burned the sensation. At 10.07 p.m., they drove away from the 7-Eleven. The minivan climbed hills to the... A wooded area of Eagle Rock Reservation, which is in Essex County. It's a park in West Orange. Uh, They parked on a cliff that stands by High Lawn Pavilion. There's a restaurant and a wedding venue there, and there's panoramic views of Manhattan. So it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Romantic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There, Khalil would duct tape Sarah's face from eyes to chin rape her and strangle her to death with an article of clothing and leave her in the dirt behind a trailer covered in sticks and leaves. But he was getting cocky, and confidence often breeds errors. He made plenty with this one. First of all, he went after a woman, a college student with friends and lots of family members. Mm -hmm. Not the same. You want to talk about going after the less dead? This is not even kind of the less dead. Second of all, he left all kinds of evidence. Ten days later, Sarah's body was found in the Eagle Rock Reservation Nature Reserve covered by leaves and dirt, and an autopsy would later reveal that she had been strangled to death. So all this is confirmed by police ten days later. But another five days would pass before police brought Khalil into custody. And it wasn't their handiwork that got him there. It was Sarah's family. On November 25th, three days after Sarah went missing, so we're going back in time a little bit now, her sister, Bassanya Daly, her, her sister's friend, her sister is Bassanya Daly, so her friend spotted their mother's blue minivan, which Sarah had borrowed that night to go hang out with her friends. It was parked behind a former factory four miles south from Sarah's street, which was six blocks from Khalil's house. They didn't know that at the time, but close. So they called police, and they came to the scene, as did Sarah's sister and her friend. But the cops didn't notice that Sarah's red ponytail was out there. Oh. Mm -hmm. Remember I said she had like a ponytail extension on? But her sister did. She pointed to the hair extensions on the ground, and beside it sat the same blue plastic trash can that Sarah's mother liked to keep beside the driver's seat in her car. Okay. So at this point, they knew something had happened, and they decided to take matters into their own hands. Police were like, yes, here is some evidence, and then they left. Like, that's what they've been doing this whole time. So the, the girls then drive to Sarah's house, And they get her laptop. Now, her sister knew her passwords. So they get into Sarah's email and her social media accounts. And the girls then get into her tagged, right? And they said they were just looking for clues. They were just looking for who could have been with her or something. So from this, they find the exchange from her and Lil Yacht Rock. They see the, like, I'll pay you $500 for sex. Here's where we're going to meet. And they knew that this guy was the reason she was gone. So... What they did next was create a fake account on Tagged and catfish the shit out of him until they got him. Great. Which is what a lot of people do on Tagged anyway. But I'm really? glad that they did it. Yeah. Okay. So 
they make this account that would look appealing to him. They're like a young, beautiful woman looking for love or whatever. And they look for Lil Yacht Rock. They find him and Lil, they send him like, you can, it's it's like Facebook where you can like like things. So they yeah. send him mm-hmm. like likes. They started mm-hmm. liking things that he had. And sure enough, he took the bait very quickly and he messaged them privately asking for sex for money. Mm-hmm. There's like three ways you can say hi. There's like a hi. Mm-hmm. And then there's, it's almost, there's one where you're like, I just want to like say hi. And then mm-hmm. there's another where you're like, I want to flirt. And then another where you're like, I want to like do it. And there's like three different ways. Well, of they sent it. him some of those. Yeah. It said likes, but I don't specifically there's know what like it was. There's like three different okay. kind of likes. All right. Yeah. But he, again, he responded exactly the way they wanted him to. So that mm-hmm. was all that they needed. The women informed the police of what they discovered and set up a sting operation. They set up a meeting with Khalil, just like all the others had. This is his thing. And there's like this really funny anecdote about how you said they can video chat. And mm-hmm. so they did video chat with him at one point. Like he called them and they were in the police station when he called them. Mm. And so they just went up like against a blank wall and they mm-hmm. answered. And they talked to him from the police station. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So they set up this meeting at a Panera. Okay. Just like the base, most basic place you yeah. could possibly meet. And instead of coming face to face with a beautiful woman, Khalil came face to face with the cops. Finally. I know. And were they just like, oh, you're such a nice guy. Bye. Yeah. <gasps> Holly! <laughs> but wait. Okay. When confronted with the cops, Khalil immediately gave them his real name. They were like, who are you? Like, you're here to meet with these girls. We know. And he was like, I'm Khalil. And this is, but I didn't do anything wrong. And they actually had no evidence to hold him. They only had these women's word. So they let him go. But they now knew who he was and had connected enough dots that they could get a search warrant for his house. But didn't they know who he was already? You would think. They already questioned They were him. able to connect him better. Because okay. they okay. had Sarah's e- chain of email yeah. or, or messages on tagged. And then her sister contacted him directly. But they didn't have anything but like. No, but from the other killer, from the other girls. I they had his license plates. They had his But car. they had they, no they, hard evidence him. linking him they, to actual foul play. You could have known these girls yeah. and seen them and not killed them. But this he's all the circumstantial last evidence. that they all saw. Oh, I know, but apparently it wasn't enough for them. But. Okay. But, 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 but. They went to search his house. And boy, howdy, it was basically a museum of evidence. Okay. Records, they found three cell phones, first of all. Mm-hmm. And there was records found in his possessions on on these cell phones that showed GPS searches because he looked up on his GPS how to get to everywhere he went. Mm. So his GPS, you know how like when you look in ways, yeah. it has everywhere you've gone. Mm-hmm. It had every meeting spot that he met these girls at. So like the place outside the Popeyes, the where wherever he met Robin, mm-hmm. the motel where he met Tiffany. They were all in his GPS. Okay. Time-stamped. Right. And then his GPS took him back to his house. There were the points in time where he was sitting outside watching Robin burn in that house, time-stamped on a GPS. There was the point in time where he was watching Tiffany be questioned by the police outside that hotel, time-stamped on a GPS. Mm -hmm. There was also every single text message he had with these women soliciting them for sex and stating their location on his phone, time-stamped and location pinned. There was also, um, they could ping his phone to the location where they found Sarah Butler's body. They had tons of stuff linking him to the locations 
end to these women, right? This seems like a fucking slam dunk. They also had uh, records of Joanna's phone call from her friend's phone. Remember she called from her friend's Mm -hmm. phone? That was all in the records of his phones. Okay. So it's all there. Why do I not feel great? Because this evidence is circumstantial. Well, it seems like a slam dunk, like I mentioned before, there is no direct proof that Khalil did anything insidious. He could have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time every single day for 88 days. The prosecution went in, guns blazing, but it wasn't until after their first day in court that they knew they had a slam dunk. During their first day of trial, a woman came in and sat in the courtroom quietly observing. When they adjourned for the day, she approached the prosecution and introduced herself. She told them her name was Tiffany Taylor, and she was willing to testify that Khalil had attacked her. And there were police records. Tiffany's testimony, along with a scathing cross-examination of the police officers, wherein they admitted to ignoring her play and not taking her attack seriously, accompanied by security footage at the motel confirming every bit of her story was true, sealed Khalil's fate. It's wild that that's what it was going to be. She saw an article in the newspaper that he had been arrested for this woman's murder. She went to the courtroom, sat and watched his trial all the way through the first day, then walked up herself to the prosecution attorney, and that's how she got in to testify. Okay, it's 2016. Yes. There has to be a way that they were like, how do you say his name? Khalil. Khalil. They start Khalil Leo Weaver. Wheeler, Wheeler Weaver. Wheeler Weaver. Mm-hmm. In their da- database and be like, oh, here's all these hits. And this woman was in our system. Oh, she's alive. Let's bring her in. Like a quick two second they didn't, search. They didn't Could care have just to. been like, let's just like, let's just see if he's been in here before. Oh, this person's alive. And she claimed that he was trying to kill her. These other women are dead. And so let's just bring her in. If she had to fucking read it in a newspaper. She had to read it in the newspaper and then show up in person. But she did. What a fucking badass hero that is, though. Yeah. To be like, no. And and she says in an interview, like, she did not like courts. She yeah. did not like cops. She had legal trouble in her past. She could have had legal trouble in her future. Yeah. She did do things that she could have been arrested for. And she went anyway. Yeah. This is where I, like, more strongly believe, especially— in my in my elder age. Yes, ma'am. I just feel like women, we need to stick together. Yes. The only reason we ever get jealous or petty with each other is because men make us feel like we're supposed to be petty towards each other. We shouldn't. Let's just like like each other, love each other, and support each other. Yeah. Because we're the only ones that are going to protect each other. Yeah. Agreed. And there's evidence right here. So later, security footage would also show him and Sailor Sarah Butler at the local 7-Eleven, the place where he got those fucking cold burning condoms. Which I'm interested in. Because they only can sell them if people like them. It sounds terrible. I see they how- had to do a test study. People had want- to have been like, this was nice. Do you think it's like if they have an infection down there and they're just like, this is cooling? <laughs> <laughs> so like a medicated, you're just like- I don't I don't know. Listen, I wonder, somebody please, you can confidentially tell us. It's fine. We won't tell anybody. I can only, so I'm I'm a very lucky person. I do not get UTIs, but I can only imagine that might feel good if you have a UTI. Or like a, other issues down there, yeah. Yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, I have other, I've used Biofreeze on other ailments on my body. Yeah, but I wouldn't put amazing. it downstairs. That sounds terrible. But what if it's like, I don't know. Tell us. Is that what it's for? I don't know. I don't think it is. 
but some people, I mean, maybe that's your thing. If that's your thing, great. Like, I see hot the shit out of yeah, that no, situation. Yeah, no, I want to, because maybe it's not even that strong. Maybe it, maybe it's. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we're so curious. <laughs> John's going to be like, we have to edit all of that out. That's terrible. <laughs> so with all this evidence, they were able to convict him. But Tiffany Taylor paid, played a huge part in that. And she said, quote, I wanted him to see me. I wanted him to know that it was me. Yeah, girl. I know. Such a badass quotation. On December 19th, 2019, Khalil Wheeler-Weaver was found guilty of 11 felonies, including murder, attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated arson. Each murder carried a sentence of life in prison, where he is to this day. And I'd like to end with a quote from Robin West's father, Leroy. When asked if he was happy about the conviction, he said, quote, I've been telling people, they say, oh, you won, you won, you won. And I look at people and I say, you know, nobody's won here. I say justice was served, but nobody's won. I say we have five families, and I say five, who have to live a new normal. Three girls who will never return home, one who will probably live with what happened to her for the rest of her life. And then you have a mother who is watching her son who is going to jail for the rest of his life. You know, so there is no winning. Just justice has been served. That's I thought that was really statement. poignant for him to say to also recognize Khalil's mother who was in the courtroom the whole time. Absolutely. And that is uh, this week's story. Wow. Yeah, it's wild that we didn't know that case. No, and we're in New Jersey, and we were 2016. We're of news-watching age. Like, we. Yeah. Can I also say, so Wikipedia generally picks up anything that's attached oh, to something. Oh, this doesn't have one. This doesn't have, it's nowhere on there, on that site. Not even, like, a link to it. They nope. don't bring it up at all. And, like, I mean, now listening to the story, I'm like, okay, it's a very, like, well, no, actually, it's a big piece. Like, it's how they caught him. Yeah. The, the fact that they caught him through, like, catfishing is interesting. But also, like, he killed the less dead. Mm-hmm. This crime features only black people mm-hmm. who lived in an area that the general public doesn't pay attention to. He murdered sex workers. And truly, he only ended up getting caught because he also killed a college girl. I shudder to think what would have happened if he only continued along the path of killing sex workers. He would have just killed hundreds of them. It's interesting that we don't have more information on him. Yeah. Like what else is, I mean, also because it's so modern, mm-hmm. you think it'd be so easy to have more information about him, what he was like. Did he do anything weird? Right. Was he hit in the head? Like, and I also hate to say this, but like, would we know more if he was a white guy? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah, whereas they're just like, well, we just assume. Yeah, it's terrible. And that's why this case also interests me. I'm like, why aren't people covering this? This is like a big, this is like someone they call a serial killer because he killed three people. Mm. That files you under serial. Interesting. And at 20 years old, he was only 20 at the time of all the murders, and it was like a spree killing. It was 88 days. He was like, and he, there was no sign of him stopping. He would have... Easily kept doing this. And also, we, like you said, we have no reasoning. We have no idea why he turned to this. What, what, did you have a psychologist analyze him? Where's the information on that? Every other killer we read about, every single one, there's a full, like, psychoanalysis. Nothing here. Right. Nothing. And, and everything I read says, well, he didn't come from a troubled family. He didn't have a troubled past. He didn't have any problems. He just wanted women to like him. 
That can't be it. Right. There that can't be, be it. Something. You could say Ted Bundy just wanted women to like him. Yeah. And it struck me as so maddening and interesting that there's just nothing there on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it could be like a narcissistic personality disorder. It could be. And then, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if I was forced to hazard a guess based on everything I'd read about him, I would say at some point in time, some woman rejected him in a way that made his little ego so upset that he took it out on women continually. Well, okay, just from the story of Tiffany, because mm-hmm. you had mentioned, I haven't seen a picture of him, but you mentioned that he's he's pretty good looking. He's very good looking. And clean cut. And, you know, if he's coming from a nice family. Mm-hmm. But she was even like, no, dude. Like, I mean, well, because what was, they had an age difference, too, Yeah, right? she was 33, he was 20. Okay, but, well, but I guess just even how he acted with her, kind of obsessive. So mm-hmm. maybe that's that's his problem. There's pictures of him. Just Oh, he is cute. He's, okay. he's good looking. Yeah. So if that's how he's always handled women, where he comes at it too strong. Yeah. And then would be denied and has some sort, I mean... That happens to people often. There are some versions of this story, too, where Tiffany reports that, like, when he was driving her back to the motel, he was like, I don't know why this always has to happen. Why do I have to pay women for attention? Why don't women like me? He, like, played the victim card. And it's just like, dude, you're 20. Just, like, give us some time. You're so young and good-looking and doing fine. I don't— Yeah, I want to know where that came from. I don't—I wish I could tell you. I wish I could even have a little tiny bit of insight, but it doesn't exist. And, I like, it just— it's it's amazing to me that none of it is there. There's no psychologist talking to him. The defense didn't have a psychologist. Why didn't they have a psychologist? Every defense attorney hires a psychologist. It's not like he's in his 30s or 40s and this is the only way he's ever had women. No. No. It's only been a few years. What? How many cases have we covered where the defense doesn't have a forensic psychologist on their team? Goose egg. None. They always have someone going, well, this, this man, that's... Or woman, it was clearly a problem because of their sad past. There's none of that here. Why don't we know? Is it because there's no interest in the case people aren't asking? Probably. We're asking. We are asking. I would love to know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give him a platform in any way, shape, or form. But no, but I'd love to give that um, forensic psychologist a platform. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if there's one out there that has talked to him and they want to contact us, please let us know. All right. I have a new degree to get. Let's go. I'm already working on forensic psychology. We'll get there. You can get there. You'll get there first. (laughs) I'm close. (laughs) All right. Toast? Okay. So to, geez, Louise. Okay. Well, I want to separate them a little. So to the three victims who died, so Robin, Joanne, Joanne, and Sarah. And Sarah. And then... To Tiffany oh, for like fuck yes, Tiffany, fucking awesome. She has a great name too, Tiffany Taylor. Yes, right? very so good I name. Like that name. Cheers. Um, to the dad for his statement and just oh, like hitting God. it on the point I know. and allowing the mom to be part of he, it and recognizing. Uh, he's also very well spoken. There are some like YouTube. There's a few YouTube things on this. Like I said, it's underreported drastically, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll put a link so that you guys can listen to him talk. But he's brilliantly well-spoken, and Mm -hmm. and he said a lot of really good stuff. So cheers to Leroy. You know what? All of these women seemed like they came from – I'm trying – because I'm also trying to remember all their stories now. I feel like they all started out fairly well. 
And some of them even better. Like Tiffany obviously yeah. had a she had a nice home, but they had somewhat of a home. It's just that their circumstances they ran into bad luck. They just yeah. Or made bad, not bad. I mean, like with Robin, I would say she made some difficult choices. She was very headstrong and wanted to live life on her own mm-hmm. terms, and ju- it just wasn't safe. And yeah. it's just, I mean, no one ever deserves to be put in that situation. Or I don't want this to come off as an "I told you so" in any way. It's not. She, mm-hmm. There's no way she could have known, but she, you know. And they, a lot of them, took their safety measures. You know, yeah, they did. Yeah, they and we also they could, we're not here to slam sex work either. Like, no, that's not, not at all. Work. It's, it's a it's a job. So, yeah. but that's what I mean. Like they took their their measures. I mean, yeah. that's like anybody. I mean, they say any delivery service is not a safe job. You can be a pizza delivery For person, sure. and that's not safe. Yeah, you know, no, 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 I could agreed. be a massage therapist, and I felt terrified almost every time I closed the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have friends who go on dates with people they've met on web. Yeah, on- just living your life is very dangerous. Yeah. You meet a, meet a person from a dating site, I need you to drop a pen. I need you yeah. to tell somebody where you're going, who you're with, what you're doing. You don't have to follow up until later. I got home safe. That's it. But, like, mm-hmm. the world is scary. It sure is. So. Okay. Oh, and do we have a patron? We toast? do. Isla Hayden. Yes! Cheers, Isla. Whoop, whoop. And if we were in a desperate situation, just trying to survive when the wrong man came along, we we would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. There is strength in numbers. <laughs>